0: Thanks for joining us today at the Christian Faith Center Sermon Podcast. FCFC, we live to worship God, we love to serve people, and we value community. We hope you enjoy this message from one of our pastors. It's it's always fun for me to study and, and hear what the Lord has for us but then it's even better when it's received because I know it's not me. It's from the Holy Spirit, amen? It's not me, it's the Holy Spirit. I'm being obedient to what God puts on my heart to, for all of us to study and dive into. And so uh, today we're gonna continue our series about new, about the new things that God wants to do in our lives. And before you open up to anything, I just wanna read from Psalm 143, verse 10. It says, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. I love this verse. It's great. Teach me to do your will because you are my God. And may your good spirit lead me on level ground. And no matter how you think about it, commu- communications is important, but uh, traveling is such an important part of our lives. You commute every day to work, you drive from here to there, you walk around, you navigate, you go from point A to point B, and movement is just a natural part. Of life, and when you look at this verse in Psalm 143, the author says, Lord, teach me to do your will because you're my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. Because really, everything that we do should be led by the Holy Spirit, amen. Everything that we do, even at your job, with your family, with your friends, your conversations, your actions. Everything needs to be led by the Spirit. And here's the amazing thing. When we're we're being led by the Spirit, the ground that we're walking on is going to be level ground. It's a clear path. Even if there's some things on the side of it that are a little rocky, a little shaky, the Spirit is the one that's going to lead you on level ground, which means you're not going to trip, you're not going to stumble, you're not going to fall when we're following the leading of the Holy Spirit. There's many times in Scripture where we read about walking, we read about a walk, and really the word walk is synonymous with a life that you are living, and so so many times in Scripture we read about walks and walking and the walk, and, and all of that's referring to the lives that people lived at that moment in time, just like our walk with the Lord is referencing the lives that we live with the Lord. Now, if you have your Bible, open up to Isaiah chapter 33. This is the first Scripture that we're going to start studying today. Isaiah 33. Last week, we started this new series titled New, and we talked about the new start that God gives us. And the main verse from last week was Isaiah 43, right? We studied this. Remember, not the former things, nor consider the things of old. For behold, I am doing a new thing. Because God wants to do a new thing, amen? And even the good things, and we talked about this last Sunday, but even the former things that Israel remembered was still good but it pales in comparison to the good that God wanted to do in their lives in the future. Just like the good things that have happened in our past will pale in comparison to the new good thing that God wants to do in your future. That's why Isaiah tells them this. "Forget Forget the old things. Don't remember the former things. Behold, look at here in your hand is the new thing that I want to do. And the last part of verse 19 says, shall you not know it? Because God wants us to know this. This is not a mystery that God doesn't want us to understand, doesn't want revealed in our lives. He wants us to know this. He wants us to notice him in the big things and the small things. He wants us to hear him through the Holy Spirit. He wants us to learn from him through his word. He wants us to see him be revealed in our lives through that living relationship that we have with him. And so today's message is titled A New Walk. And our new beginnings start with our new walk. Our new beginnings start with our new walk. We talked last Sunday about the new start that God wants to have, and there's a lot of points we'll review, some points throughout the message today. But really, our new beginning starts with the new walk that God wants to have with us here. So we all find Isaiah chapter 33. Let's read this. It says, "He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly, He who despises the gain of oppressions, who gestures with his hand, refusing bribes, who stops his ear." from hearing of bloodshed and shuts his eyes from seeing evil, he will dwell on high. Verse 15, he who walks righteously and speaks uprightly. See, we're really focusing on our walks this morning, right? The walks that God wants to have with us, the the new walk, the new journey, the new life that he wants to have. And when we're studying this and we're thinking about it, what's, what's the end result going to be? He is going to elevate us into a new level when we walk uprightly and we speak uprightly with him. The new walk is going to elevate us, that we will dwell on high. We will reign with him. We will, we will operate under that kingdom anointing that he wants us to operate in when we walk righteously and speak uprightly. Now, we know they go hand in hand, and we know that life and death are in the power of the tongue, right? We know that your words have power. Your words have authority. God spoke the universe into existence. He's given us that same authority to speak things into existence, whether good or bad. And we can spend a whole Sunday talking about that, but we're not. Today, we're focusing on the walk that God wants to have with us. See, when we're following him, he's going to raise us up. He's going to show you a higher way, a better way. He's going to show you his way. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and Lord, we thank you for ears to hear, a heart to receive, and a mind to be receptive, to get revelation of the truth that you have for us this morning, Father. Lord, I pray that every single one of us, that we renew our minds to the walk and the calling and the discovery that you have for us, Lord, so we can do the things that you've called us to do and do them with excellence. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So my question for you to start is where... Are your steps taking you? Because we're on this journey with the Lord. We're walking along with him. Where are your steps taking you? And I want you to think about that as you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 4, please. Old Testament book, Deuteronomy chapter 4. It's amazing when you have the real thing next to you. And it's it's impressive when you have types and shadows of that thing next to you. So so Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Um, they've experienced a lot of types and shadows of God, a lot of things that they have seen that represented God that wasn't actually God. Moses in the burning bush, right? The bush was on fire, not consumed. It was the presence of God. It was in type and shadow of the Holy Spirit. Um, Israel was walking around with a, a pillar of a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, right? It was a type and shadow of God leading them and, and, and then the, the Red Sea, the parting of the walls and the water of the Red Sea, it's like God sliced his hand straight through the waters or raised it up and said, here you go, walk right through. They didn't see God in any of these things. Moses saw God. He was around the presence of God, and it completely changed him. But Israel saw types and shadows of God, and it changed their walk with him. But here's the thing from that moment of of seeing a cloud, a pillar of cloud directing them in the day and and a pillar of fire guiding them at night to where we are here in Deuteronomy chapter four is about 40 years. Now, why is a pillar of cloud significant? Well, if you've ever been to the beach without an umbrella, you know why clouds are significant, right? Okay. Because if you're walking and there's a hot sun and you have no relief from the hot sun, it can be a really bad day. And when you're walking through the wilderness for 40 years, you're quite happy when you have a little bit of shade over your head. Now, the fire at night, why? Because if it's dark around you, it's nice to have a guiding light telling you where to go. And that's what they had. They had these amazing experiences. They, they walked with God. They saw types and shadows of God. They had hints of God in the presence of them. But still they fell. And we know this. And it's unfortunate. But look in Deuteronomy chapter 4. See, 40 years after the pillar of cloud of fire, we see Israel walking now after something else. Look at verse 1. It says, now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I teach you to observe that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord your God of your fathers is giving you. You shall not add to the word which I command you nor take from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor, for the Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed or walked after Baal of Peor. But you who have held fast to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. So what happened here? What are we talking about in verse 3? See, what happened is uh, Israel was in this place called Shittim. And then when they were there, there were these Moabites that were nearby. And the Moabite women actually lured the men away from God. And so the men were drawn away by lust. And because they were drawn away by lust, they didn't follow God. They followed the, the laws and the, the gods of the Moabites. And so Baal of Peor, Baal was the god, Pierre was the mountain that they worshiped him on. They were there and they were caught up in, in this distraction and God wiped them out. 24,000, he said, no, I can't have this in here. Nick, it seems kind of harsh. But when you realize that you are the small portion of a greater ministry, any little bit of infection, God couldn't have. It was justice that God took them off the face of the earth because they probably would have infected the rest of the nation of Israel. And God would have had to start all over again, a new flood and all this stuff. And so he says, I can't have this in here. And plus, they agreed to the deal with God. We're going to follow you. We're going to keep your laws, keep your statures. And if not, then it's death and destruction for us. And that's what they agreed on. And so that's what happens. And so they were drawn away. They were enticed. The lust drew them away. And for Israel it started with the distraction. That's what with these twenty four thousand that, that, that are wiped away here, that are destroyed, it started with the distraction. And the distraction led to lust. They shouldn't have even been looking at those women, right? The Israelites should have had no dealings with the Moabites. They should have had no interactions with them. It started with their eyes. It started with them looking, and then the looking turned into lust, and the lust turned into care. Then they started to care about them, and the care then turned into a lifestyle that they wanted to live with them, and the lifestyle then led to worshiping the wrong thing, and the wrong thing led to destruction. What happens to them? Their distractions led them to destruction. That's why Moses says in verse 4, right, you have to, but you who held fast to the Lord are alive today, every single one of you. Those that held fast, those that clung to, that cleaved to, that kept close, that stick to, that adhere to, that were like glued to God, they were alive. Just like all of us here that cling to, that stick to, that adhere to God, we are alive because we do that, Amen. We cling to him. We, we love him. We cherish him. We want what he has to us. Uh, there is no greater joy than, than when I walk into my house and I, my son runs full force. The kid's going to be like, a, 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 I don't know, like a football player at some point, right? He's just, he has the force to just run and tackle me. There is nothing better than that feeling of my son running and grabbing and clinging to me, right? You have kids. You know what I'm talking about. When your kids run to you and they hug you and they squeeze you, right, you're like, this is the feeling, that's not, only does God, that, that's not what God only wants us to do with him, but he wants to embrace us back in the return. It's not So if you've never experienced that, you've never had that feeling, God wants to embrace you today just like that child and father relationship because he is your heavenly father. He is here for you. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants to embrace you. He wants you to hold fast to him. He wants you to be glued to him, to be adhered to him because that's what made the rest of them still be alive today in Israel standpoint that's that's what saved them because your distractions will destroy your distractions will destroy anything that will distract us from the calling from the ministry of god from the truth of God will destroy us. If it's not in Scripture, if the world is telling us and society is telling you, hey, this is what we consider normal, and it's contrary to what Scripture says, that's going to destroy you. Even if it's legal, even if it's normalized, the Bible is here to protect you, to give you a right relationship with God, to give you peace with God. The distractions from the things of God will destroy you. It's true. But when you're here, when you're, when you're focused on the things of God, here's the powerful thing, the focus furthers. The focus of God will further you in the plan and mission and calling of God. It'll give you more peace. It'll give you more, more hope. It'll give you more joy because you're focusing on the source of all of those things. You'll get it from the source of all those things because your focus will further you. See, the, Israel was not planning on worshiping these gods, but their distraction led them down a path that ultimately led to destruction. Well, you know what? I'm not planning to die, but I'm gonna start doing this little sin here. See, that's why sin is so appealing. Sin's appealing because the, the, the long term effects you don't see immediately, right? There's an opioid epidemic happening in this, in this nation, it's terrible. People don't do this, people don't take these drugs to die. They do it because there's some little short-term thing that they're lacking. There's some kind of short-term fix that they're trying to remedy. And so what happens? Then they feel a small moment of gratification, a small moment of peace, and then they get hooked on that. But that's going to lead them to destruction. And that's what we're facing today. That's why this epidemic is so widespread, because there's this small thing that they're distracted by. And if I could just escape this and find this is my solution, then I'll be okay. And the more they get involved with it, the further and further it pulls them from reality from peace, from joy, from health, ultimately to destruction because distractions destroy. It's the little things that are not taken care of over a long period of time that will destroy us. The little things, not the big things, right? It's easy to see if there's a big problem in front of us to say, this is not good for me. But if you let the small things kind of fester and build and compound, that'll lead to a really big issue. Now you're going to have trouble getting rid of, Right? That's what sin does. It's a, it's a small thing that's enticing to begin with. That's why we don't do it. But if I let it grow, it just festers and builds and builds and builds to now this huge, big issue that I got to deal with. Distractions destroy, but focus furthers. If they were focused on the right thing, they would have been in the right location. They would have had the right heart. They would have been serving the right God. They would have gone further if they were focused. If they held fast, they would have lived. Just like when we hold fast, we live. Amen. Sin, sin just slowly draws you away, little by little by little. If, it's not in, if God's word says, don't do this, this is wrong, this lifestyle's not right, and we just do it, that's why we have all these negative consequences, this destruction, this pain, this anxiety, this, all this hurt, this just comes from the distraction from God's word. That's why we have to focus on God, and he's going to further us in his plan for us. Amen? Amen? Distractions prevent you from walking in the promise that God has for you distractions will prevent you from walking in the promise that God has for you. Your distractions, big or small, will, will prevent you from walking on the plan that God has for you. You know how I know this? Studying for this message. You know how hard it is to study for a message when you have a computer that you're using and it's quick to open up a new tab and check your email, right? Or you're on your phone and a notification pops up, swiping, clicking, liking, retweet, right? All this stuff, it's easy. And I, I'm studying and I'm like, this, what am I doing? I'm trying to prepare a message. I'm trying to be obedient to the Holy Spirit and share the word that God puts on my heart. And I am getting caught up in little tiny distractions. This is what happens. This is life. This is normal. But what's not normal is just getting stuck in the distractions. If I did that, I'd stand up here, and for 40 minutes, I'd try to wing it, right? And I know for a fact that God would not use me if I'm just trying to wing it. All right, open up your Bible to uh, something. You know, there's churches that they'll just, the pastor the morning of, right, will come up, open the Bible, point and start preaching? That's bold, right? You better make sure your walk with the Holy Spirit is right if that's your preaching style, right? Me, I'm like, Lord, I want to dive into it. I want to study. I want to prepare. I want to know what you have for me. I want to see how it connects to the whole entirety of Scripture. That's me. That's what God put on my heart. That's how I operate, okay? If I'm constantly distracted, I can't do that. I can't share what God has put on my heart for all of us here today because distractions destroy, but focus furthers, the question you have to ask yourself in any decision that you make, does this farther or does this further? Does this farther, does this make me farther away from God or does it make me further along the, pan, the plan and the path that he has for me? Does this choice make me farther or further? Is it keep me, give me separation between me and God or does it help me along the journey that God has for me? Because when it talks about our walk and the new walk that God has for us, every step must be intentional. Every step that I take must be intentional. Do I want to step here or do I not want to step here? Because if I'm not careful of where I'm stepping, I can step off into a cliff. Every step when we're walking with the Lord must be intentional. Ask yourself, anything that you do, does this further or does this farther? Does it make me go further along the plan or does it make me farther away from God? Because God wants you to go further. He wants your focus to help you further in the plan that he has for you. And that's why this new walk, this new journey is so important in our lives. Ask yourself, does this further or farther? How do we know? What's the motive? What's the goal? What's the possible outcome? Those are the things you've got to ask yourself. Is this what God wants for me, or is this what I want for me? Because sometimes what we want for ourselves might not line up with what God wants for us. And if I'm confident that this is what God wants for me, then I want it. He knows the desires of your heart. He will, he will bring to pass the desires of your heart. That verse is so important because, ready? He's not just going to give you any car you want to because you really, really like it, okay? Okay? I've realized slowly that I've talked a lot about Corvettes because they're very nice cars. And I start to think that maybe you guys think that I'm just obsessed with the car. I'm not. I really like it. It's nice. It's attractive looking. But I'm not that obsessed with it. If God wants to bless me with it, hallelujah, praise God, I will receive it. Right? Anyway, but that is not a desire of my heart. I know that if I'm just in my prayer time going, Lord, I know those eight cylinders that you have are for me that those nice big wheels and that quad exhaust is, what a waste of my time and a waste of God's time if that's what I'm praying for. Instead, I'm praying, Lord, reveal to me what you want me to do. Show me your will so I can do it because I know that your will for me is better than my will for me. Now, is that easy to say? Absolutely not. But is it the right thing to say? Yes. Challenging? Yes. What is that going to do? It's going to further. The focus on God will further. So how do we do this? How do we walk this new walk? How do we walk this new walk that God wants to have with us? Each step we take with the Lord must be intentional. Nothing accidental. You're not going to have a very successful marriage if you're trying to just hope things work out for each other, right? You kind of hope that you figure out you spend time. You got to spend time. You have to plan. You have to plan when you're going to go on a date. You have to plan where you're going. It has to be intentional, right? You have to know where you're driving when you're in the car, right? Because everyone else in the state doesn't know where they're going when they're driving in their car. You got to know where you're driving in your car. You got to be intentional on where you're going. You got to have that focus with it. And the next thing is you have to trust the leading of the Holy Spirit. You have to trust the lead of the Holy Spirit, because you got to trust, you got to go, you got to take each step, but then you got to trust where the Holy Spirit is going to lead you. Look at Romans chapter 8. you got to have the right, right shoes for like the right activity. I like to be outside. I like to be outdoors. I like you know being in the wilderness and, and all that stuff. I don't go out a whole lot, like hiking and camping and all that, but occasionally, like once a year, I'll go out with like a little trip at the school, and we'll be outside. You know how important it is to have the right footwork, footwear when you're outside? The right footwear is, like, so important. If, if you're, like, in the woods, you need to have, like, hiking shoes, maybe, like, waterproof ones, maybe ones with, like, good traction, right? You, you, can't, you can't go hiking with, like, Converse on. I like Converse, too. They're great shoes. No support, right? Canvas, not waterproof. They probably make some now, but the standard ones are not waterproof. Those would be the wrong shoes to go hiking in, Right? They're great for, for just walking around a sidewalk if it's dry, no puddles, perfectly fine. But if you want to go hiking, you need the right footwear. Otherwise, what's going to happen? You're going to slip and fall. Every time I go on this camping trip, more than, more than often, it, it, it's raining when I go up to this camping trip. It's raining. I'm outside. I'm leading kids. I'm teaching them how to survive. It's a really fun little thing that I do, right? They build shelters with wood, and they get sticks. It's cool. It's a fun thing. We have to walk up this really big mountain to get to the place where I do this little lesson. So if I don't have the right footwear... I'm slipping. If I'm stepping on a rock that's wet and I don't have the right shoes, I'm going to slip. Your walk matters so much and God wants you to have the right equipment for the walk that you're on. So many of us as Christians are trying to walk in this slippery, uneven, chaotic terrain with converse on and God's going, here are the right shoes for you. Trust the Holy Spirit. And then we go, Lord, why did I slip? What shoes are you wearing? Put the right shoes on have the right equipment, have the right footwear because your walk matters. Because where we are walking now, where we are living now is dangerous terrain. You need to have the right footwear on. You have to. It's no question about it. Actually, let's look before we get to Romans 8, chapter 1. We're going to look at the last verse and the chapter before Romans 7, 25. Listen, look at this. Paul writes, I thank God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Let's read that again. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Now Paul is saying here this. He is not a servant of sin. He's saying when he is in the flesh, it's a serving of sin that takes place naturally. If you're not in God, you're in the flesh, then it's just you're going to serve sin because what else would you want to serve? But he says, but if I'm on, in Christ, as we're in Christ, then we will serve God. And Look at verse chapter one, Romans 8 verse 1. It says this. There is, therefore, now, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Why should we walk according to the Spirit? Because the Spirit knows where to lead you. The Spirit knows where to lead you. He is in front of you. He goes before you, right? There's so many times in scriptures where it talks about he goes before us, all right? And if I'm walking and the Holy Spirit is in front of me, I can't see past the Holy Spirit. But what does the Holy Spirit say? Past himself, right? He sees where we're going. So if I'm trusting in him and I'm walking through him and I'm following him, he knows what's ahead better than I know what's ahead. And so if I'm walking according to him, if I'm walking according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh, then what's going to happen is I'm going to be successful, right? Reverend Ed, could you come up here for just a second, please? Reverend Ed, can you come up here? Stand in front of me. Reverend Ed is much taller than I. So can you stand right here, please, sir? Thank you. Much taller than I. Okay, all right. So here we go. I can't not see past Reverend Ed. Okay, it is it is clear that he is taller than I, and I am vertically challenged. But if he's going forward, got it. You can start walking for me. If he's going forward, I know exactly where I need to be. I need to be behind him. Now, stop for a second. If there is an obstacle that's in front of him, am I going to hit it? No. There's a little audience participation here is not going to be terrible. Okay, so. I am not going to hit it, but what is, what is Reverend Ed going to do here if there's an obstacle in front of me? He's going to go around it. Now, if he goes around this imaginary obstacle and I don't follow him and I go in front and I walk in my flesh, what am I going to do? I'm going to trip and fall. But if I follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, thank you, Reverend Ed. If I follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, right, and I don't walk according to the flesh, but I walk according to the Spirit, I'm going to be safe. Amen. When we walk according to the Spirit, we follow His direction, we follow His instruction, He will lead us around the obstacles that we can avoid and show us the right path to go on. But the minute that I start walking in the flesh, what's going to happen is I'm not going to follow, I'm going to take a wrong step, and I'm going to trip up, and I'm going to get into some trouble. That's what Paul's saying here. There is no condemnation now to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit you can be in a right relationship with Jesus and still walk after the flesh. You can be in a right relationship with Jesus and still do dumb, sinful things and then be surprised. like, why isn't this working out? Because as the Holy Spirit was going this way, you were going this way. Why did I trip up? Why did I fall? Well, were you following the Holy Spirit or were you following your flesh? Because we know the wages of sin is death. Always. Guaranteed thing. But when we follow the Spirit, we're going to have life and peace. Isn't that an amazing truth? As we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, right, he's going to guide us and direct us wherever we need to go. It's going to be so, so powerful. Turn to Acts chapter 8, please. We're going to see this in action. We're going to see this principle in action, which is amazing. Acts chapter 8. Here in Acts chapter 8, we're going to read about Philip in the New Testament and his encounter with the Ethiopian eunuch that we see and we read in Scripture. And we're going to start in verse 29 here. If you're flipping Acts chapter eight, verse 29. Now, leading up to this, this is a huge passage of scripture. We're not gonna have time to read through everything and and dissect it all, but what happens is Christ is preached to this Ethiopian eunuch through Philip, through his obedience. An angel tells Philip to go. Go to this road along the desert, just kind of like how Abram was called, right? God calls Abram, he says, go. I'll show you, Um, there's a place I want you to go to that I'm going to show you, right? An angel tells Philip to go on this road and it's in the desert, and, and you're going you're gonna to encounter somebody there. So again, Philip, being obedient, goes. He sees this Ethiopian eunuch. This, this guy, this eunuch had the authority of the queen of Ethiopia, right? He was in charge of her money, the finances, and he was at Jerusalem to worship because he was a Jewish convert. He was a proselyte, which means that he, he was an Ethiopian, but he, he followed the Jewish law, the rules. He honored God. He loved God. So he went to Jerusalem to worship God. And now he's riding back in his chariot. Look at verse 29. Then the spirit, everyone say the spirit. The spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake that chariot. So we're reading in verse nine. What, what is Philip, who is he responding to? Spirit. Okay, look at verse 30. So Philip ran to him and he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? So now this eunuch is in his chariot. He's driving back to Ethiopia and he's reading Isaiah out loud. Philip hears this and I his chariot's going gone. You understand what you're reading? What does the guy say? How can I, unless someone guides me? And then he asks Philip to come up and and sit with him. So now, Philip is in the right place because he was obedient to the Holy Spirit. The angel prompted prompted him. He starts walking. The Holy Spirit tells him, go and talk to him. And he's walking. He hears him reading the book of Isaiah, and he goes, what are you reading? This, but I don't know what I'm saying. How can I understand, unless someone guides me? And then he asks Philip. He invites him onto the chariot. He says, look. This place in scripture, which he has read, was this. This is what he was reading in Isaiah. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth, right? Prophecy from Isaiah talking about Jesus. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, who does this prophet say this? Of himself or from some other man? Look at verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture preached Jesus to him. Because the book of Isaiah is a powerful book, 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah, 66 books in the Bible. There is clear divisions in the book of Isaiah that you see in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Isaiah is talking about the foreshadowing of Jesus coming and then he's specifically talking about Jesus coming. A book of Isaiah is kind of like a small version of the Bible that you and I have here today. So then what happened after this verse? Well, afterwards, the eunuch asks Philip, he goes, can I be baptized? Philip goes, if you believe in Jesus, yes. If you believe in your heart, then yes, you could be baptized. And so they stop, they see water. He goes, what prevents me from being baptized right now? He says, nothing. Believe in Jesus and let's go do it. They stop the chariot. They get out. He gets baptized. Philip's taken away by the spirit. The eunuch leaves rejoicing because he had an encounter with Jesus because he had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, because he had an encounter with Philip, a man that was following the steps that the Holy Spirit was leading him on. What do we learn from Philip? Well, when God's about to use you, faith is the first step. It started with a prompting from the angel. God is gonna always require us to use faith to do something for him. It's going to be some level of inconvenience or uncomfortability in what God wants us to do that we have to trust in him. So like if, you're, if, you're, if you feel like, Nick, I want to do more in church, good. Serve, volunteer, uh, minister, whatever it is. But can I tell you what? The first step in doing that is going to be a little uncomfortable, right? How many of you want to work with the teenagers in the building? Yeah, thank you. God bless Brother Mike up there who wants to work with the teens, who does a great job with our youth because what? Teenagers can be terrifying, right? You're like, oh, God, no teenagers. Can I tell you what? When The first time I started doing youth ministry, before Mike took over for me, he's doing a great job, it was nerve-wracking to teach the gospel to teenagers. Now, mind you, my other vocation is a middle school teacher, okay? I teach them how to use computers. So why is it so nerve-wracking? Because it's something that is for God, that honors God, that, that eternity is weighted in the balance. It's a pretty important thing. I had to take a step of faith before I started doing that. Now, the more I did it, the more I stepped out, the more comfortable I was doing it because God graced me with the ability to do that job. Just like God graces us with the ability to do something new in our lives when we step out in faith. Philip stepped out in faith and then he was directed by the Holy Spirit to do something. Even if that something was unconventional, even if that something was out of the ordinary, even if that something meant hijacking a chariot, he did it. That's what it says. Go and overtake the chariot. Go hijack. Now listen, if you're going to hijack something, please make sure it is 100% the Holy Spirit telling you to hijack whatever it is that you need to hijack, okay? And if you're not quite sure, then please don't do it, okay? We love you. We don't have to bail you out because you hijacked something, okay? Even if it seems unusual, even if it seems like it's something that how can this possibly be God, that was not a normal request from God. Go walk on this road, and then I'll tell you what to do. For most people, it's not normal. For us as Christians, we know it's normal. God will tell us to do things that might seem unconventional from time to time. What do we do? We go do it. Just go do it. The worst thing you can do is nothing. The worst thing you can do is nothing. The worst thing, when God prompts you to do something, the worst thing to do is nothing. So what do we do? We respond. The Holy Spirit tells Philip to go do this. The Spirit told him, go, And overtake this chariot. Go, follow the plan that I'm leading you on and go there and talk to this man. He needs to hear it. We don't know what happened in Ethiopia, but we know that that man's life was changed because Philip was obedient to the Holy Spirit. People's lives will be changed when we are obedient to the Holy Spirit. When we follow the walk that the Lord leads us on, lives will be changed. So the three things, right? God will use you. Faith is gonna be the first step. When the Spirit directs you, go and do and then the third thing is be in the moment. Be there. He wasn't worried when he's sitting in the, in the chariot with the eunuchs, like scrolling up through stories and like looking at things happening in the world. Go, oh, okay, cool. Oh, you are reading Isaiah? That's a good book. Um, he, he was there. He was in the moment. He was listening to what this man was saying, and, and he saw what he was doing, and he was there, and he asked him, do you know what you are reading? And then God opens this door for Philip to minister to this man and he, and he preached Jesus to him, and he, and he saved him, and he baptized him. So just like Philip, for us, faith will lead our first step. Just like with Philip, for, with us, faith will lead our first step. And when the Spirit directs us, go. When the Spirit directs you, go, and then be in the moment. How do we do this new walk that God wants us to do? Each step we take with the Lord must be intentional. We have to be focused on every step, Right? focus, to further. We have to be intentional with that. And then we have to trust the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, the last main point we're going to look at today is our walk is new in every way. The walk that the Lord has for us is new in every way. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. So we start this new journey. We forget the former things. Even if they were good, forget them. God has something better he wants you to focus on. Behold the new things. We've got to walk in the Spirit with the leading of the Holy Spirit. These are all things that we've, we've talked about. And what should we expect with the new walk that we have? New experiences. See, the journey that we have with the Lord is going to lead us to a new path, a new walk. It's going to ultimately lead us to new experiences as well. New things that God wants to do in our lives. Now, I know we've heard this verse many times. and If, if this is a good verse, if it's, if it's in your Bible and it's not underlined, underline it, Bible app, highlight, share the image, whatever. But this is an important verse for all of us. It says in verse 17, 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Everyone say new. Yeah. We've been talking about new for two weeks now. What does the word new mean? It's from the Greek word kainos, okay? Just a little little fun, right? So you know some Greek. Kainos means new. Say kainos. Kainos. Good, you said perfect. Great job. You didn't butcher that. You didn't make it sound too Italian or too whatever, right? You just Me, I always try to say these words, and I feel like I'm just making them too Italian sounding than they really need to sound, right? Don't ask me to say anything in Hebrew. But anyway, the word new means something that we're unaccustomed to. The word new means something unaccustomed and something that is a, a new form unaccustomed, and a new form. The creation that we are should not be and isn't something that we're used to. When we become saved by the Holy Spirit, we are a new creature. Past, present, future, sins forgiven. Our relationship with God has been restored. We are new. Nothing should be the same inside of us when we give our heart to Jesus, right? Because it's something new. It's something we're not accustomed to. Like it says in Lamentations 3, his mercies are new, what? Every morning, His mercies are new every morning. His mercy, his compassion towards us, his love to us is new or should be renewed every single day. See, a walk with Jesus does not mean that you get it and you're good and you kind of cruise. It's something that should be new happening every single day. New, renew, new, renew. And our relationship is something that we should never get used to. Our relationship with Jesus should never be stale. It should never be like lukewarm or stagnant. It should be something new and exciting every single day because that's what that word new means. It's something that we're not accustomed to. When you become accustomed to something, it is no longer new. That's why you have to renew your mind with the things of God. We shouldn't get comfortable, shouldn't get complacent. If you feel like you are comfortable and complacent with your walk with the Lord, we're going to pray with you after service. I encourage you to come up and pray because we want to agree with you for that fresh anointing from the Holy Spirit to get new insight, to get new wisdom, to get new prophecy, to get new direction, to get new guidance, because that's what God wants for you. He does not want anyone. Shall you not behold it? Like it says in Isaiah. Shall you, shall you not know it? Don't you get it? Don't you understand it? If not, the Holy Spirit will help you do that. See, when you walk with the Lord, right? Your spirit's made alive. Our spirit is brand new on the inside. God made you a three-part being. You are a spirit, a soul, and a body. We can all look around the room, and we can see all the bodies that are in the room right now, okay? Some are more comfortable in sleeping than others, but that's okay. I'm glad you're still in the room here. Some are a little more, but the heat's nice and warm. You're settling in. You got that nice, right? You're like, oh, yeah, this feels great, right? So our, some of our flesh is really, really sleepy now. That's okay. That's okay. I love you still anyway, right? We have our spirit, soul, and body. We have our flesh that's around us that we could see. Our, your spirit is your eternal being that will live on forever. Your soul is your mind, your thoughts, and emotion. I'll tell you this. Your spirit and soul, we're going to live on for all eternity in the future, Okay? Your flesh is going to die at some point. Everything in this earth is going to fade away. It's all going to pass away. But your spirit and your soul will live on forever. Now, what's going to happen? Because you are born again, because you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, the old has passed away. Your old spirit that was dead and disconnected from God is now quickened and made alive in the Holy Spirit, and now you have eternal life through Jesus Christ. So now you have eternity is settled. It's done. It's sealed. It's fine. But now your mind, your soul has to get right with the spirit that's inside of you. This verse is kind of challenging too because when you think about this, you're a new creation that you are in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. You might get born again, but does does your body physically change when you become born again? If if you were blonde when when you were not saved, then you're blonde when you're saved. If you were tall when you were not saved, then you're tall when you are saved. If you were short, tall, fat, whatever. It doesn't matter. Whatever you were before you were saved until after you were saved, your physical body does not change. Your flesh and its desires will still want to be there. That will still want to overtake you. That doesn't change. What changes is your spirit and your mind can change when you renew your mind, when you walk in that new journey, when you Understand the new, the kynos new that God has for you, that it's something that is of a different mold. It's something that we are not accustomed to. It is radically and dramatically different. And it makes everything in your life different. New experiences across the board. New interactions with people. New, new, new motives, new intentions, new heart desires. New, new ways of speaking, new ways of living. All of this comes from that new relationship in Jesus Christ. In him is life and peace. That's what the word says. Jesus said, come all, come to me, all of you who are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. There is a generation of people out there, generations of people that are so exhausted from trying to live right that if they just came to the cross of Jesus and they knelt down and worshiped him and acknowledged him as Savior, they would have life, they would have peace, they would not feel burdened, they would walk in the joy of the Lord, and that would be their strength. But just like Philip, we got to walk. Because when we're walking like Philip is, when we're led by the Spirit of God, he's going to say, go jump on that chariot. Go talk to that person. Because that Ethiopian eunuch was there visiting Jerusalem, reading the book of Isaiah, driving back, was not filled with the Holy Spirit until Philip was obedient in his walk and changed that man's life. Philip changed. You and I, we are Philip in that story. You and I, we are Philip. If you have given your heart to Jesus, you and I, we are Philip, we are the ones that are on this walk. We are obedient to the Holy Spirit as He guides and teaches and directs and instructs us. And then when that opportunity comes, we'll introduce them to a new experience. We'll introduce them into a new walk. We'll introduce them into eternity. How do we walk this new walk? Each step must be intentional. Trust the leading of the Holy Spirit and realize that it's going to be new in every way possible. And here's the last closing thought you're not alone in your new journey. Praise God, we are not alone in the new journey. We're going to close in Ephesians chapter four here. God wants to do that new thing in your life, a better thing, better than you and I could ever expect or anticipate. So when you start this new journey, forget the former, behold the new, walk in the spirit, but then realize this, that we are not alone in this journey. We are not all individual little Holy Spirit islands that are in the room, sitting in the seats, or we shouldn't be. Look at verse one. It says this, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with longsuffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, bearing with one another in love. See, we are called to walk this worthy calling that God has given to us. You, are, you and I, we've been given a worthy calling that we're walking into, and that calling that we're, that's so worthy, the fact that the, the creator of the universe wants you to do anything for him, that's a worthy calling. The creator of the universe wants you to serve and do something in any capacity possible, that is a worthy calling. So not only do we walk this calling, but we walk it confidently, right? As like a prisoner of the Lord, we're bound to him. We are here to serve him. We are locked in with him, worthy of the calling which you were called. With loneliness, gentleness, long-suffering, patience, bear with one another in love. See, the walk that we are on, the new walk that God wants to do in all of our lives, we should not do alone. Some of you need to hear this. God called you He called you specifically, and you are worthy of the calling he called you in. He's called you. There's no one in this room that God has not called to do something great, and you are worthy of what he's called you to do. I I know God called me. Personally, me, I know God called me. I didn't call me. My father did not call me into the ministry God called me into the ministry, and it took steps of faith for me to get to where I am, and I know it's going to take bigger steps of faith to take us where we need to go as a church family. I understand that. It's going to be something that we have to do. I know God called me. Some of you need to realize God has called you for something to do for him. He has called you for something greater. Even if you're doing something great now, he's called you for something greater, he gives us new opportunities, new, new disco- discovering his calling, discovering his heart, discovering that, that we're worthy in his sight because of the new spirit he's given us. Each step must be intentional. With intentional steps, we get freedom in Christ. And with, with anticipation of new experiences, we see these new creations. We see new thoughts in our lives, new ways of thinking, new actions. We're part of a new form, a new mold, something that's different than anything that's ever existed before. And here's the main reason why. Why do we focus on our walk with the Lord? Is it just for us? No, because your walk is meant to help others with their walk. Your walk, is, it's great, it's for us, it's something personal, we have to focus on it, yes. But our walk is not just for us, it's for something greater. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's what Jesus said. See, when your walk is right with the Lord, you will help others with their walk with the Lord. Philip's life was right with the Lord. His walk was right. His obedience was right. His heart was right. He brought that eunuch into a relationship with God. He brought that eunuch into a right walk with God. Your walk is meant to help others with their walk. It's meant to reveal the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's meant to reveal that, that there is newness in Christ Jesus, that the old has passed away and everything has become new. All of that is part of the walk that we experience, that we help others understand. Let's pray. Praise you, Lord. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and Lord, I thank you for everyone hearing this, Lord. I thank you for the plan and the mission and purpose that you have for everyone, Father, that That you want to do a new thing in their lives, Lord. You want to take them on a new journey. You want to take them on a new path, Lord, in front of whatever they're going through. And we can only do that, Lord, with with your leading, with the leading of the Holy Spirit, by having that right relationship with Jesus Christ. It's It's only through that that we can do the things that you've called us to do. It's only through trusting in you and trusting in your Holy Spirit that we can walk this new life that you have in front of us, Father. So, Lord, I pray today, that everyone hearing this desires that new walk with you, desires the new thing that you want to do in their lives. That you right now, as they're listening to this, you're preparing their hearts for the new thing that you are going to do. So Lord, we love you, we honor you, we worship you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you've never made that commitment to follow Jesus, it says in Romans, you have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth you will be saved. That's the prerequisite. Trust that you were a sinner that needed saving, that the only way to be saved is through Jesus Christ. It's not through your right doing. It's not through your right living. It's, there's nothing you can do to obtain God's righteousness except to accept the free gift of salvation only Jesus can provide. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father except through him. So if you're ready to make that commitment to follow Jesus, repeat this prayer with us. Everyone say, Jesus. Say, be my Lord. Be my Savior. I believe you died on the cross for my sins, and I believe you are alive from the dead. Lord, live in me. Lord, work in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. If you like the content and want to get the word out about our podcast, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe wherever you listen. If you'd like more information about the church, you can visit us at our website, ChristianFaith.Center. God bless.